Welcome to the very first episode of This Is My Story, where everyday women share their stories of struggles and setbacks that have shaped their lives. I'm your host, Melissa Touch. Today's episode was originally a test episode recorded with my 17-year-old daughter, Juliette. We weren't actually planning to release this, but she gave her blessing, so I'm excited that you get to hear from her today. Juliette is a senior in high school who is actively involved in her high school's circ and theater programs, as well as a host of leadership activities, all that keep her very busy. You can find her on her own podcast, Classics and Coffee, a father-daughter podcast devoted to discussing the classics and the books they think should be classics over coffee. In today's episode, Juliet and I discuss how frequent childhood moves have affected her and some of the recent changes in her life and her struggle to adapt to them. Before we jump in, a quick reminder to follow us on our social media and subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast. You can find all our social media links as well as more information about us at thisismystorypodcast.com. My name is Juliet, and this is my story. I'm tired. <laughs> I am so tired right now. I took a five-minute nap. I'm exhausted. <laughs> I'm struggling to pull the energy, the personal, like the, to put any personality in this. So for my beta listeners, yeah, for my beta listeners that are going to be listening to this, just know I have spent all week with insomnia, which I have never had before, and only getting about five to six hours of sleep a night. And I just woke up from an hour nap. So I'm struggling a little bit, but See, I need to get this done. Six and a half hours so, is usually normal for me. <laughs> that is ridiculous. We can have energy. I can't do that. Well, I'm going to have to fake school. some energy. You yeah. can fake it. I believe in you. I'm yes. faking it right now. If I can fake it, you can fake it. We're going to fake this together. Okay. Yay. Okay. Okay. The amount of okays I've said so far <laughs> okay. was like, okay. Ready? Right. Okay. Because should we do a little <laughs> cheer now or something? Like a little clap. The odd thing about this interview is that Juliet is like 20 feet away in another room. Um, if I If my desk was on the opposite side of the room where I am, we actually could look out each other's windows and wave at each other. So it's a little awkward for her to be like, you know, 20 feet away in a different room um, and not doing this face to face. But we wanted to test this out and make sure everything was good before we launch with, you know, actual interviews of people outside of my family. So for my guests, they fill out a form before um, kind of like a pre-interview form in in which they tell me what their setbacks and struggles are, you know, what they want to talk about. And so there were several topics that Juliet put on her form. First glance, they don't look like they all have something in common. But as you kind of look into it and think about it and knowing her history, which is not something that I will have for most of my guests, but knowing her history, I know that the the thread that seems to be the theme in um, everything that she wants to talk about is changes. <laughs> and I know that is so difficult for so many people. During my insomnia-fueled night last night, I decided, what are the statistics on changes and, and on resisting change? So I looked that up at like, what, 3 a.m., 4 a.m. this morning. Oh, my goodness. And here are the stats. So about 50% of people are kind of apathetic about change. Like, 
they're they're just kind of like going with the flow, seeing what's going to happen, but they're not really leaning into it and like having, you know, trying to like help along with those changes. They're really, you know, they're just they're just neutral. But 30% of people resist change. So Juliet, where would you fall in those statistics? I think it really depends because I think there's a good and negative side to everything. But I will admit, I think I do lean more on the resisting side. Yeah, (laughs) I'm totally on the resisting side. I'm definitely part of that 30%. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I think the thing is, is it really depends because like some of the things that we're going to get into, I am not super excited about the change. But if it's a change that I'm excited about or something that's, I feel like is going to end up being really good, then I'm a lot more like go with the flow about it. So I think it really, it really depends on the situation for me, but I think, is there like a middle portion that I can just throw myself in? Is there like a 20% middle portion in there? That's the, that's the neutral people. They don't lean is into like it. <laughs> they don't embrace it, but they don't resist it. That's the 50% that are just hanging out, seeing what's going to happen. I think I swing from one side to another. Like it just depends. Yeah. <laughs> I just wanted to start off kind of at your beginning, which is easy. <laughs> if this ever makes it past our beta listeners and goes live if with Juliet's blessing, just a little background. Juliet is 16 years old. She'll be 17 next week. We're recording this in August and she's going into her senior year of high school. So as you can imagine, lots of changes. If you remember, I vividly remember how it was going into this time of her life, <laughs> of my life. So anyway, we don't have to dive back too far to ask this question, but Juliet, what was your childhood like? Oh my gosh. I'm still in my childhood, so I can't really like, I feel like that's something that I'm not able to quite sum up yet. But I think one of the main things was, so I was born in Louisiana and I lived a couple places there for about 10 years. When I think about it, most of my childhood sort of consisted of like moving from places to places. Like I don't really have one childhood like home that I think of, you know? And I think that's kind of good too, because you have different places for different stages of your life. So you grow in different areas, but at the same time, like it can be kind of scary, especially when you're like 10, 12, you know? And so it's kind of stressful, but I feel like most of my childhood just consisted of living in different areas. Like there's a different part of, I don't view my whole childhood as a childhood, but also like I'm still a kid, so I can't really do that yet. But at the same time, I just view it more so of places rather than age, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, that makes sense. So (laughs) it's kind of segmented. It's not, so in your mind, it's not just, I look back on my childhood. I look back on my childhood in X, Y, Z location. Yeah. it's So lots of segmented memories. It's more so like, I look at myself in Norway, or I look at myself here, or in Louisiana, or Alabama, and like so forth and so on. And I'm like, who was I? Like, what was my childhood like then? Because all of them are so drastically different from one another. So because I'm growing up, but at the same time, they're all just very different locations. And so it's kind of, I can't sum it up in like a one childhood home kind of thing. And like from birth to senior year, that's all I've known. That was my whole childhood. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Yeah. So you mentioned Norway. Yeah. That's like a ding, ding, ding. Um, <laughs> you're going to have to explain that one. So where all have you lived? Am I allowed to give this information, Mama? Like, 
Is that? Yes. Okay. I approve. It is probably very public because okay. your mom, your mom tells all. Yeah. Well, I was, I was going to say, I was like, I don't know how I feel about giving off like everywhere I've lived, but then you're also here. So I can, I can ask for well, your blessing you don't have to, you don't have to give addresses. <laughs> oh no. I don't even remember addresses. I'm not giving addresses. Yeah. So I was born in West Monroe, Louisiana. I grew up there till I was about almost three years old. And then after that, we moved to Lafayette, Louisiana. So from about three to the age of almost 10, I pretty much lived there. And we lived in a couple houses in Louisiana, in Lafayette. And thinking about it now, like half of my life so far, like I was thinking about this like in the shower the other day, half of my life so far until I turned 20 would have lived in Louisiana pretty much. Or 18 actually, or 20 more so because it was like a month before we moved. And that's still crazy to me because it sounds like forever ago. And then once I turned 10, it was right before I turned, was it right before I turned 10? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Right before I turned 10, we moved to Auburn, Alabama for two years. And then after that, dad got a Fulbright scholarship to Bergen, Norway. And so we lived there for a year, which was super, super cool. And then after that year, 11 months pretty much summed up, we moved where we are now. And if you want to say where that is, you can, but I'm not going to say if that's not. We're in North Georgia. Yeah, North Georgia. That's right. <laughs> in we are. rural North Georgia. I was like, I don't want to give a town because these towns are so freaking tiny. Yeah, so it'd be easy to find us. <laughs> you can just go on the housing market and be like, oh, there they are. <laughs> so, did you enjoy moving around? Like, was that something that, you know, when your parents would say, we're moving, were you excited about that or were you like mad? <laughs> I think I'm going to I'm going to use these two examples because I think they show the contrasting of the two. The first time I found out that I was like ever going to move minus West Monroe, which I was like three. So that didn't really matter. Like I got to ride in a U-Haul truck. Okay, like that's that's great. I didn't really care. (laughs) Except you said that I wanted to go home. Right. When we got to Lafayette, you were like, I want to go home. And you were like, this is your home. And I was like, no, it's not. Yeah. TMI. (laughs) So, you know, you're three, you're potty training. You need to go to the bathroom, oh. like number two, <laughs> and you're like, I can't do that at this house. This is a strange house. I need to go home to do that. <laughs> That's like me with public bathrooms. So I've been like yes. that for like ever, apparently. <laughs> TMI, but it's, it's innate. So the first time we moved that I vividly remember was Lafayette to Auburn. And I remember it was two days after school ended. I thought I was going to go into my fifth grade year where I was currently at school. And I didn't even know dad was applying for a job at the time. And if he did, I didn't really think about it in any sense. Like I knew he was looking at a job in like Iowa was at one point. But other than that, like I had no idea about Auburn um, from my recollection. So he tells me two days later, I think I like woke up. It was like, I don't remember what time it is, but I woke up and I think I was eating breakfast or something. And he was like, oh yeah, we're moving to Auburn. And I was like, what? It's like, no, we're not moving. We can't be moving. It was really stressful. And it was hard because you're nine years old and you've grown up your whole life in this one area, knowing all these people. And then the fact that all of a sudden you find out that you're not going to be there anymore and you're moving in like two months. And I think the thing that made it worse was like, if I knew three days beforehand, like the day before school ended, it would be fine, you know, because you could get to say your proper goodbyes to everyone. And I got to say goodbyes to like some people, but at the same time, I didn't really get to do that because it was right after school ended. So I think that's one of the things that I didn't like. But when it came to living in Auburn and then finding out that we're moving in Norway, I remember it was your birthday and dad got 
a letter. He printed it. I think it was an email and he printed it out. And he was like, I got the job. Like, we're going. And I remember originally it was kind of a bit conf- like we were uncertain as to whether he was going to go or if we were all going to go. But then we all ended up getting to go. And that one I was so excited for. I was counting down the days to leave because I thought it'd be so exciting. I'd never been on a plane before. I'd never been out of the country before. Let me just say that airports, I was not missing anything other than a lot of stress. I hope that airport transportation becomes better one day because I don't like it at all. I don't think it is. (laughs) I don't think it is. I feel like the most, the worst thing about travel, like I'm completely fine with jet lag, but airports themselves are just so chaotic and so stressful it's it's crazy and then your flight gets delayed three hours and then you have to like run to your connecting flight and so you know like the scenes in the movies where everybody's like running through the airport so you feel like you have to like reenact that scene because like you're literally running to your gate before you miss your connecting flight (sighs) it's art imitating life fun stories and then i remember like this is off but i remember when we got to norway and we bought like we went to the store and we were super tired and we got like a pizza and some milk and cereal and you cooked the pizza, you had a slice of pizza, but while the pizza was in the oven, like all of us passed out, except for you, because you had to get the pizza out of the oven. And then we passed out for like five hours or like seven hours or something. And then we woke up and then we were like full of energy. We're like, let's go to Ikea. And then we went to Ikea and then we got all of our stuff. So you were in Norway for a year. That's, that's really cool. And it sounds like, you know, even Louisiana, Alabama, that's not down the road. That's a couple of states over. Then you went another state over when you came back to the U.S. So lots of changes. Did you experience a sense of rootlessness or a lack of belonging due to all the moving around? I don't really think so. I think the thing with me is from a young age growing up, I knew I sort of had to learn the fact that these different places helped me figure out who I am. So it didn't really matter because I still made friends with a bunch of people. But at the same time, I knew that I wasn't going to be there forever. And so it didn't really give me a sense to feel like rootless because I was kind of already rootless, if that makes any sense. Like I kind of knew that going in. So I wasn't like, I don't feel like I don't belong. I was just like, this is just how it ended up. This is just what happened. And I'm really thankful for that too, because I'm someone who gets... I I don't think you use the word claustrophobic, but I can't stay in one place for too long. You know, I have to be constantly- You get restless. Yes. And I think that's one of the things why, especially with you, like I went to a summer camp this summer. Of course, you know, but if this like goes public or something. In those three weeks, I was so excited because I got to leave my house. I usually don't leave my house over the summer, but just like going to different environments. Like I love that. That's something that I really enjoy. Even if it's like an hour down the road, for like a day in Atlanta. It's just like, it keeps me from staying in one place for too long. And I think that's one of the things where like, when I grow up, I feel like I want a job that's going to have me like, I wouldn't say moving constantly, but the ability to travel, if that makes any sense at all. Like you still have a place that you live. So you would say that, or would you say that had you not spent your childhood moving around, you wouldn't have that restlessness uh, and that desire to constantly be changing your environment? Actually, I think I might have it more if I did it. Because I think the thing is, is that's something that I just cannot imagine in any universe where I would be happy in one spot for like 18 years or longer. Like it amazes me people who can stay in one area for so long, especially like rural areas it shocks me how people can like live there for like 
their whole life. Because for me, it's sort of, I don't know, it's just kind of, it's just like you love it. And there's like a special place in your heart for it. But then there's always like that time to move on. And so I think that's one of the things that always, there comes a point. And the fact that some people have never had that point really shocks me and amazes me. Because I'm like, how, how do you do that? You know, how are you so content with where you are for like so long? Especially since like you've seen 70 years, like your area is going to change a lot, especially. Like 70 years ago, we didn't have a Chick-fil-A. Two months ago, we didn't even have like a TJ Maxx, you know, like that kind of thing. Like those are like really stupid examples. But the fact that you're seeing the whole thing grow too, like it's just, it's crazy. Looking back, has all of that moving around shaped your identity? I think so. I think without moving around, I would have been a lot more, I would, I would not say I'm a very laid back person. Like I can be, but for myself personally, like to other people, I can be kind of laid back, but I feel like when it's like me and like what I'm doing, I'm not really laid back. I'm more so uptight with what I do, but I think it allowed me a sense of to know that there's so much out there and to just that there's so much more to discover and that you can find different parts of yourself in different places. And I think that's one of the amazing things about traveling because it's sort of when you travel, it sort of allows you to re- like restart, not really restart, but it allows you to sort of like forget in that kind of sense and like grow back from the ground up of who you are, you know, because sometimes so often when you're in a place for so long, you begin to sort of like adapt to your environment, you know, so there are certain parts of you that will stick out more. And there's certain parts of you that you might hold back. And that's not that's just something that everybody does, you know, depending on where you're from and the environment that you grew up in. So the fact that when you travel somewhere, you kind of start off with your your raw, inauthentic self, 100%. And of course, as time goes on, that's going to change a bit because you're going to stay there longer. But for me, I think that's one of the things that I love so much about traveling is you sort of go back to who you are at your surface as a human being with no influence, no, just no influence on who you are as a person. I love that. So you're <laughs> you're not letting those people around you shape and dictate your personality or your um, reactions. Like you're getting to just strip back down to who am I really? And I think like the thing is, is like, especially in high school and especially for teenagers, I feel so many times you you don't even notice it. And I think this goes the same for like everybody, regardless of age, you don't really notice it, but you know, like you bring certain parts of yourself out there more than others, depending on like who you're hanging out with. Like I could give you a list of some of my friends and the fact that I will be more like serious towards some, and I'll have more of like a more, I don't know. I'll just be more serious. And then some of them, I'm a lot more like chaotic and it have zero filter and I'll be just saying like the craziest stuff. And so you really have to like, you react differently with different people. And so when you go back and you sort of have all of those eggs back in one basket, you know, and they're not scattered all over the place. And so you get to redo it all over again, I think is always great. Rachel Hollis is the author of a couple of books. You wouldn't know them there. You haven't read them, but- for the people who may listen to this in the future, um, it's girl, wash your face and girl, stop apologizing. And I know Rachel tends to be a little, I think there's been like some drama with her and I think she got a lot of pushback. I even was a little leery. I didn't read these books, but I was leery of like, who's this random person coming out of nowhere telling us 
the stuff, but, um, and acting like an expert. But anyway, so I guess you could say people could be a little divisive on her. She said in one of her, and I don't know if she said it in a book or she just said it in an interview or what, but she, she said that moving doesn't change who you are. It only changes the view outside your window. But I would think that from what you just told me, you disagree with that. I think, here's the thing. I think it's more complicated than that. Cause I think the thing is we are who we are as a person. And I feel like that's something that we have throughout our entire lives. But I feel like moving, you know, you're not always going to know everything about yourself. Like I'm someone, I find myself pretty confident in who I am, but I don't know everything about who I am. You know, I don't know, like you could ask me multiple things, like, especially like, for example, the questions on my college applications that are like, who are you? I'm like, um, I don't know. I'm like, I know who I am, but I can't put that into words. You know, I feel like I haven't really been able to do that. And so I feel like it's not changing who you are as a person, but it's showing you sides of yourself that have always been there, but haven't really been able to step out into the light. And I think that's something very important because it helps you discover who you are more as a person. And the stuff is all, it's always there. It's never not been there. It's just that it's finally that moment for that side of you to come out. I love that. So did you find that moving frequently influenced your ability to adapt to change in other areas of your life. I know you on your um, (laughs) feedback form, you talked about changes with senior year. And I know you've been a little frustrated (laughs) with just adapting to that change. And I know we had a very long conversation about this. Yeah. But maybe we can have some of that conversation again (laughs) for this. But do you feel like, you know, kind of, do you feel like that experience with moving has helped you with having to adapt to change? I think the thing, it really depends, you know, me going into a new environment. Like we were sort of talking about this the other day, sort of like to provide a bit of context if people are listening to this out outside of us too, um, if it's, it's like out there one day. Basically what happened is our school, my school right now over my senior year is undergoing an entire renovation process. That's the first thing. So this year, the school year, which is going to be in four days, <laughs> is like 90% of my classes are going to be in trailers, which is, I mean, that's okay. Like, I don't have a complaint about that. I've, I've been in trailers before. But the other thing that's really stressing me out is we have an entire new arts department. We have four new teachers. One of the teachers in our arts department came here like last year. So he's, this is his only his second year. And then the longest person who's been here was like 20 years, but she's, she's, pretty much always been there. But all of our other teachers like left. So we have a whole bunch of new faculty. And I'm currently in the process of Circus Olay. I I can't pronounce it. Circus de... Cirque de Soleil. Cirque de Soleil. See, we always say Cirque, so I can never pronounce like the actual thing, which is a bit of a problem. I don't even know if I said that right. I said it with confidence. Yeah. So we're in preseason right now because we have a show this fall. And it was really stressful because... I think the thing is, is sort of what we were talking about in the car earlier. When you're moving or like you, you, you use this in the context of like having a different job and different management. But for me, it was more so in this context. When I'm moving, it's completely different sense of a change. You know, you're just going to a new environment. You're discovering new things. You're seeing, you're seeing a world from a different point of view. And it's still stressful but I don't think it's as stressful. And I think I'm able to adapt to it more 
knowing from the past that it's all worked out okay. But I think the thing that's completely different with this change is I have been here for three years and then there's these new people coming in and it's taking something that you've been so used to and that you finally got adapted to and taking that and completely flipping it over, you know, and changing the whole thing up, which that's normal. That happens. But the fact that it is a completely different kind of change than what I'm used to, because I think the thing is, is you can't really characterize change as one thing. You have to have it. There's different kinds of changes. And so I think that one change can't prepare you for the other changes in life because there's just so many. And so I don't think moving has prepared me for that one at all, but I think it has prepared me for like, (laughs) I don't know, things equivalent to moving and adapting to new environments. I feel like that's really helped. So you feel like moving around frequently has helped you to be flexible in when you insert yourself into new environments willingly are when your parents insert you into new <laughs> environments willingly. But when when those changes take place in an environment that is established for you, like school, and you're just like, you have no say-so in it, you're suffering the consequences, so to speak, <laughs> um, that, that that ability to adapt to change doesn't really doesn't really come in there. It's a different change, like you said. Well, I will say, you know, As you alluded to when I talked about, you know, as an adult, this is something that I think all adults, you know, we never get used to change. And, you know, like we established at the top of this episode, I, um, I'm resistant to change and it's, it's very hard for me when the change is in a, in an environment that I'm already established and comfortable in. That's completely different when I'm the one bringing about the change. When I when I chose to make the change, that's completely different. But yeah, when you didn't choose that change, it's different. And it, it's something you never really get used to. That That's what I was going to say, actually, is when I have a developed routine in one space, like, I don't want that to be messed up. I want that to be as concise and as regular and routine as it possibly can be. But if I am presented with the opportunity to do something that's out of that routine and I willingly take it, I'm all for it. But like even it can get so bad sometimes that I feel like if I have a I have a to-do list that I do every day because for some reason I just have to do a lot of things or else I don't know. Like yesterday I didn't have a good day. Well I had a good day, but yesterday like evening I was kind of upset because I I didn't do like two things on my list that I was supposed to do, even though I had like no time whatsoever. And so I don't know, it's just for some reason, the way that my brain's wired, it's a blessing and a curse, I guess. But the thing is, is if you're to simply come in here and tell me that I have to do that, we're like going on a trip or something like if you want me to go to this, like to Walmart with you, and that was not a part of my original plan. Sometimes I'm like, oh, crap. Now I have to alter my entire day. And all of the things that I have to do just so I can go to Walmart because mom wants me to go go to Walmart, you know? So it's kind of the messing up of that and something that you're used to and something that you planned on your own is stressful. But when I'm like, for example, we went to go get coffee today. I was like, or we went to go get lunch. I also had coffee. I'm like, oh, yay, let's go. Like if I willingly want to do like do change, I will do it and I will be 100% into it. And those are very like small examples, but just sometimes how little 
those can be, I feel, <laughs> I feel like that's sort of how I am. So not to continually quote people all the time, <laughs> but I, I saw this other quote. I really liked it. There are a ton of quotes, really good quotes out there about change, because like I said, we all deal with this. This is a common thread for everyone, a struggle for everyone. But Maya Angelou said, if you don't like something, change it. If you can't change it, change your attitude. Again, we talked a little bit about this the other day. You, you know, I picked you up from the first day where you're meeting all these new staff, these new teachers. You were not happy. You were very frustrated because everything had changed. So do you feel like in the week that you've, you know, that you've adjusted, that you've changed your attitude towards it? I feel like it's gone a lot better. Like the first day was so bad. Like I forced you to take me to Chick-fil-A because I needed to eat my feelings out. Like the other days, it's been, it's, it's, it's very different. I will say I have never been to preseason for Cirque before. I've only been to like the normal, like school year, but everybody's just very different. Everybody, it's not a bad different, but I think the thing is, is that it's something that I'm really not used to. Like, I know our audition process next year or this year is so different. Like, they're making us sing. We've never had to audition and sing for Cirque before. I'm not a singer. I don't like singing in front of people. Like, just kind of, like, stressful stuff like that. And, like, usually we do, like, group auditions. So, like, we'd all come in together or, like, we'd go in multiple at a time and do, like, a group audition. But for this, they're, like, having you come out one at a time on the stage, which is normal. That's not something that's uncommon. That's how you usually do an audition. But the fact that it's so drastically different than what I'm used to and that I was all thrown onto me on the first day, I think that was what really like, I don't know, maybe really hesitant and resist it all. But I feel like now that I'm kind of like, okay, this is how it's going to go. This is how it is. It's sort of, I'm not resisting it as much. I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to stick with this. Like I don't really have an option. And I'm finding myself to like it more and more each day, even though it's still something that I have to get used to. Good. This was the last thing that you had listed as one of the setbacks and struggles that you wanted to talk about. Grief can affect people in different ways. And I know that, that death is definitely a change. Death of somebody close to you is definitely a change in your life. It leaves a big gap in your life. So how did her passing affect you? It was, I want to say that, like, me and Nana were close, but we weren't, like, really close in the sense that I am with, like, my other grandmother. And I, I will be, I will be honest, she scared me sometimes. She was pretty scary, but I loved her. But um, She scared me sometimes, too. Oh, yeah. But the thing was, was I think when she passed, it, it kind of made me really feel bad about myself because... Everyone else was like crying and really upset. And I'm like, I, I can't shed a tear. And it wasn't because that I didn't care. It wasn't that I wasn't upset. It was just that like, I physically could not bring myself to show any emotion. Like, it, like nothing just happened. And I think the thing too is the fact that we, like we got along, but at the same time, but the thing is we got along, but there were also those bit of iffy moments and 
Like, you love her to death. So the fact that I felt that way, like, after she passed, the fact that that was pretty much my relationship with her, it made me feel bad, you know, because she was a wonderful person and absolutely amazing and I loved her. But the thing is, and I still love her, but the thing is, is that I didn't have as much time as I thought I would. And, like, we all knew it was coming since we found out, like, a year beforehand about her breast or her ovarian cancer. But it was something that we hoped wouldn't happen because she got better and then she ended up just going progressively worse. And I think one of the things that make me feel that makes me feel really bad, and I realize that this is going to be pretty much for everybody's death that I encounter, is that John Hayden is not going to know them as long as I've known them. He's not going to be able to have as close of a relationship with them as I have, probably, because of that time. And sometimes he does. I think the thing is, it's because she passed away when he was right after he turned 10. I was 16. And so the fact that that's six years of memories and life that I had with her that he didn't even have. And the fact, too, is that you don't even remember some of those things until, like, you're four or five. And so the fact that he really only had, like, five years with her is something that's really sad. It's not, it makes you feel kind of, I wouldn't say guilty because it's something that you can't control, but it makes you feel really bad about that. And I think the thing of just adjusting to those feelings and realizing that it's just a natural process um, and that it just happens is something that I never really had to go through before. And so it was an interesting experience. And then sometimes another thing too was like, if I didn't think about it enough, I felt bad. You know, like if a day went by and I was like, I didn't think about her, like I felt really bad, especially at those beginning months. But then the other thing that really made me sad too. I think this was the worst part was Poppy because now he's all by himself. And so whenever we go to his house or Christmas especially was rough. Christmas was fun, but it was rough. And so just having to be that comfort, you know? And so it's something that I never really went through before. I had no idea how I was going to react to grief. You know, I didn't know if I was going to be the kind of person who would end up in my room bawling my eyes out for like 24 hours, or if I was the kind of person who just went on with life and was like, okay. And so it was it was a process that I wasn't used to. But I think, I don't know, I think that's pretty much what happened. It taught me, I guess, how I react to these situations, which are not easy situations to react to either. What were some things you admired most about her? She was a very strong woman. I promise you, I'm not crying, but my voice is kind of like, you know, like when you talk so long and your voice is kind of going like, yeah, eh. you know, maybe I should really learn to like start speaking from my diaphragm because that's something that I got to learn. <laughs> but I don't even know what that means. It's it's what you use that's for actor talk. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because um, I'm much more of like a head person. I'll speak up here. And so then my throat will get very closed off, which is not healthy. But going back to what you said before, she was a very strong woman. Like she, there was just a presence about her. She was, she was very, like you just knew that she could do anything and that she could get through anything. And she held on for a very long time. And so I think one of the things that shocked me too was the fact that she didn't make it because I always admired her to be this very strong individual and the fact that she was in hospice for like what was it two weeks i think i think it was like 10 days oh it wasn't even two weeks wow yeah 
and she was gone. It was just, I don't know, it was really sad, but I always viewed her to be, I don't know, it was just a sort of presence about her that made her seem like she could do anything if she wanted to. Do you have any favorite memories with her? I have a couple. I have like three that I think I'll share because those are the ones that are like popped into my head immediately. My first memory was, or some of these are like memories that happen like often. When I was younger, we would always do puzzles together on our phone, on like her iPad, which was always great. And so we'd stay up. And also like we'd stay up really late. Like when you weren't there, we'd be up to like one or two in the morning. I don't know if you knew that or not, but if you haven't known that, that's information that you can have. Like we'd stay up really late. Um, Well, that was her choice. And yeah. She got to deal with the fallout the next morning. It's like six or seven and I'm staying up to like one, two a.m. But we would play puzzles and then we'd like, she'd tell me a bunch of stories. And I always loved her stories. Her stories were always great. They were usually, you know, like the same stories over and over again. But like for some reason, you always wanted to keep hearing them over and over and over again. I think one of the things, this was the most recent, the last memory that I had of her, um, or one of the last ones, minus like, of FaceTime that we had before I left for Egypt was she took me driving. And I think it's good that before she died, she took me driving because the thing is, is that I wanted to let her know that I was a really bad driver. And (laughs) thankfully, I will say very thankfully, I did not kill her. Something else killed her. So I'm thankful that I was not the one who was responsible for that. Um, we were in a church park. Y'all were in a parking lot. It's not like you could have done much damage I in know. the parking lot. That reminds me of the episode of Bob's Burgers where Tina's like driving in a parking lot and there's one car and they like this big mall parking lot and she accidentally like hits it. It's like she's like a magnet to it. <laughs> I remember that episode. That's, yeah. I feel like that's me sometimes too. I'm a magnet to the curb. <laughs> She just side note, Juliet will be 17 next week, and we just had to renew her learner's permit. <laughs> Did you know learner's permits expire? Yeah. I don't think anybody has ever had them long enough to realize that. But yeah, if you have your learner's permit for two years and don't get your regular license, you have to ex- you have to renew it. It expires. Well, I also don't think that I should have my license for a good bit. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Okay. Um but the thing is, the first step is acceptance. Like, and <laughs> <laughs> admitting you have a problem. My name is Juliet Touch, and I can't drive a car properly. <laughs> Welcome to my therapy session about why I'm sad that I can't drive well. No, like, I'm eager to drive at one point, but at the same time, I know that if I were to like get out on the road right now and I had nobody with me, like, that car would not be intact. I don't think. Although this doesn't really, I mean, this is another change. Like that is a huge step in your life to be able to go. um, Yeah. That's a big, that's a big step towards independence. Do you, are you resentful? Are, are you, cause I feel like sometimes you're a little resentful that we were hesitant to really embrace teaching you earlier than we did. I think, The thing was, is at the beginning, like when I first got my license, I was like, okay, or my permit, not my license. I was like, okay, like I have it, but I don't think I was very eager to drive because I had so much other stuff going on. So I was like, okay, like one day. And then sort of, 
I don't remember when, because we didn't really start driving until like a year after I got my learner's permit, which is pretty, like, it was like probably like right before I turned 16 that we actually like started getting on the road and driving. Like I took driver's ed before I got, I probably reached 10 hours of driving before I got my driver's ed. And like everybody else pretty much like finished their requirements. But I think in Georgia, you have to have 40 hours of driving yeah. to get your driver's license. But apparently nobody really checks, but yeah. <laughs> I'm scared that they will. Uh, and also, if I don't have 40 hours of driving, which I do now, I need more though. I probably need like 80. <laughs> maybe one. Maybe 120 is a good number. I think I need like 120. We're not tracking anymore. No, we're, we're not tracking. But I think the thing is, is like, especially like this summer, I've, I feel like this summer is when I've been the most resentful for, like not resentful for you guys not teaching me early enough, but more like on myself and like, gosh, why can I not like drive a car properly? Because I feel like especially, especially this year, I'm going to be going to school back and forth and a little bit of information. My school is like 45 minutes away from where I am. So it's a bit of a trek. Um, thankfully during the school days, I have a bus that takes me, so that's not a big deal, but because I do theater and I have obligations and other things that I have to do, I'm pretty much up there like every weekend, it feels like. So (laughs) the fact that y'all have to keep driving me up there, I feel like is really, it's, it's like a loose, loose situation for both of us, you know, because you can't, you have to drive me up there and you don't want to drive me up there. And I don't want you to drive me up there because I know that you're going to get annoyed with driving me up there and like so forth and so on. And so I think that's one of the main reasons why this summer I've been more so like looking forward to getting my license so that I don't have to put that burden on you guys as much, you know? Yeah. Because y'all have lives and y'all have work and like y'all have, I mean, y'all have been absolutely great. You more than dad because dad's like, why do we have to take her? And you're just like, okay, like we'll take you most of the time. It's my podcast listening time. Yeah. So, but with you working from home and everything like it, you've been a lot like more gracious with it, I guess, which I think is really nice of you for, for that. At the same time, like I still imagine like I cannot make that drive like once one way without being bored of it because I do, I've been on that drive so many times. And so the fact that y'all keep going on that drive like once or twice a week is crazy to me. Yeah, it's um, it's a trek, but you know we're counting down. This is the last year. Yeah. Sadly, also this is the last <laughs> year. Hopefully, I can get my license before I go to college, so that you don't have to. Yeah. Yeah. That's another conversation. <laughs> Do you feel like you haven't embraced driving and really like put in the effort with it because you're resisting the change, resisting growing up? No, I don't think that's it. I think the thing is, is that I just have so many things going on that driving is not, for a long time, it has not been my top priority. Like it still is not my top priority, but it's like higher up on the list now than it was like a year ago. But I think the thing is that my life has been, because my school, for those of you guys who don't know, which I'm sure none of you guys know other than mom, is like, I get on a bus at 7.45 in the morning. I get off a bus at like 7 o'clock at night. So it's almost a 12 hour, like it's 11 hours and 20 minutes, or yeah, 11 hours and 20 minutes of a day that I'm gone. So I don't really have the time. And then on the weekends, not to mention, I'm usually busy doing something. So the fact that there's really no time to do that I think has kind of made it to where 
it really gets pushed back on the back burner. But I think for the reason this summer that it's more up on the list, which I don't know when school starts, how high up on the list it's going to be in my like priorities, but probably not high. But the thing is, it's because it's summer. So I don't really have any school obligations or I'm not gone for 12 hours a day. It's something that's more sitting with me, if that makes any sense. So I want to, I'm more eager to get my license now because I'm sitting at home for the most part. And so I think that's one of the reasons why, but I don't think it's because I'm resistant of that change. I just think it's not my top priority. You've got a lot of change (laughs) coming up this year. Oh yeah. Or over the next year, big time for changes. What are you most looking forward to? What am I most looking forward to? I I really have no idea. I think, because I don't, I feel like there's so much change happening this year. Like I don't even know what to expect. Like everything's just kind of happening. And so I, frankly, I cannot answer that question because I, I don't even know what's, what's going on because there's just so much going on. So I don't know what I'm really excited. I think, okay, no, I think I know what I'm excited for, but I did this last year too. I think I'm excited for women's empowerment. I think this year it's going to be a really good year and sort of end that off with a bang and then pass that down. If other people decide to take it up and continue the club, I think that's something that I'm really excited for. Explain for everyone what women is, women's empowerment is. <laughs> so women's empowerment, what we do is we sort of help. Our main goal is to help women um, throughout the school and the local community, whether that be raising awareness for different causes. So whether that be domestic abuse, sexual assault, or even something as simple as like recognizing women who are in sports. It's just a bunch of different things that we do for women throughout the school and then also women throughout the community. So we'll have like organizations that we partner with and we'll do like drives and sales and stuff. And so it's really just, I mean, pretty much as it is in the name, it's pretty much just a club that empowers and helps women. Hopefully this year though, we can go on a more international scale because we found ways in which we can do that. So that's something that we hope to do this year because we were going to do it last year, but we had like no time. Any final thoughts that you would like to share? I think I'm all thought out. Like I'm I'm, I'm out of thoughts. Just kind of, I think I said everything that I need to say. Thank you for coming on today and being my guinea pig. <laughs> I appreciate it so much. Love you. Bye. I love you. Mwah. Thank you for joining us on this episode. If you'd like to be a guest on our show or know someone that has an inspiring story they'd like to share, please visit us online at thisismystorypodcast.com and fill out the contact us form. From our website, you can follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter so that you don't miss an episode. New episodes will release every Tuesday. This has been Juliet's Story. What's yours? Do, 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 do.